Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of your day with me. We are going to geek out on some science stuff today. I love to do that every now and again to really look at how different foods influence our hormones, how they interact with our cells, what's happening inside our cellular machinery and our metabolisms. I think that is powerful information, and when we know better, we can do better. Of course, information without implementation is useless, but hopefully as you listen to this, you will be asking the question, what does it mean for me? What can I do with what I've learned here in this episode? Somebody emailed me the other day and asked why beans aren't paleo. And there are all sorts of different dietary classifications, whether it's paleo, whether it's primal. And I don't get hung up on those distinctions, but I do think it is important to understand how food acts in our body. Just because it's sold in a grocery store doesn't mean it is good for us, doesn't mean it works with our bodies, doesn't mean it makes us feel our best or helps us reach our goals. So we're going to look at the details of beans today. Big picture wise, I want to lead by saying I am not a purist. And if you are a regular listener of the show, thank you. And you know that I'm not big into classifying foods as good or bad because it's different for every single one of us. And all of our priorities are different and all of our baselines and backgrounds are different. So for me personally, when I was topping the scales over 350 pounds and eating a ton of fast food and lots of ice cream and lots of candy, beans were not my big issue at that point in time. And if I had switched from fast food to chili with beans in it, that would have been a huge improvement for me at the time. So that is always something to consider. But we get a lot of questions about beans as a source of protein, if beans are high carb, why beans aren't paleo. So I do think it's important to talk about these things, but without losing sight of your goals, your baseline, what's an improvement for you and the most meaningful change you need to be tackling right now. My goal in this is not to convince you that beans are good or beans are bad. My goal is to give you information that you just decide what to do with. And it could be, that's not my focus right now. It could be, I'm not a big bean fan anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Or it could be, holy moly, I've been eating these on the regular. I misunderstood what they meant to my body, what they contained in them, and I'm going to make a change. That response would be and should be different for absolutely everybody, everybody. All right. 
We all have improvements that we can work on, and that's what we don't want to lose sight of, what that improvement is for us. When it comes to beans, they can be a little confusing. A lot of people think of them as a superfood, as a really inexpensive health food, but at the same time, Paleo and primal advocates, people that say this is a way to eat if you want to eat paleo or this is the way to eat if you want to eat primal, they say beans are not a part of that. So what is the scoop? Personally, beans fit into the rarely category for me. And when we talk about beans, and we'll go into this a little bit more in a minute, when we talk about beans, we're talking about legumes, so we're also talking about peanuts. Peanuts are a legume, so we're talking about the chili beans, kidney beans, chickpeas, um, soybeans, peanuts, etc. They are a rarely food for me because of how they interact with my body. So beans, peanuts, soybeans, they fall into a category called legumes, all right? From the 10,000 foot view, we think of them as packed full of nutrients, but there is much more to the story that we need to explore. One of the primary confusion points about beans is, are they a protein? Are they a carbohydrate? Which one are they? Are they a good source of protein? Are they going to raise my blood sugar from the carbohydrate standpoint? And they're a mixed food, like a lot of foods are, right? When we look at an egg, an egg is both fat and protein. An avocado is both fat and carbohydrate. And when we look at beans, they are both carbohydrate and protein. They are a mixed food. When people look at them as a protein, I think they often forget that they also do have a pretty substantial amount of carbohydrate and that the carbohydrate in beans is not just fiber. Yes, beans do contain fiber and fiber is a carbohydrate, but in addition to fiber, beans also contain starch. So they will raise your blood sugar. On average, depending on the type of bean we are looking at, the type of legume we are looking at, you're looking at approximately 20 to 30 grams of carbohydrate per half cup of beans. So in every half cup, and we're talking cooked here, we're looking at somewhere between 20 and 30 grams of carbohydrate. For the most part, there are exceptions. As for protein, they are not on the same plane as protein sources like eggs and chicken and beef and seafood. Sometimes people will think it's just an equal trade-off. Instead of chicken, instead of fish, I will have beans for my protein source. But beans and peas and other legumes have about 66% less protein than chicken and turkey and about 61% less protein than beef, seafood, and pork. So we can't just think, oh, this is a swap, a vegetarian swap for protein. And there's more to the story in terms of protein that we'll get to in a minute, but I want to say that again. Beans and peas and other legumes, compared to chicken or turkey, beans have about 66% less protein compared to beef and pork and seafood, about 61% less protein. So the idea that they are a replacement for those animal sources of protein is without question misplaced. 
guided. Now, some of the issues with legumes in terms of why they aren't considered uh, paleo or primal is because we don't have the cellular machinery to process some of the components within the bean itself. We can't break down some of the protective mechanisms that are built into the legume to keep other animals or insects from eating it. And it also means that when we look at what is on the label, if we pick up a can of beans or a bag of beans and we read the nutrition facts and we're like, oh my gosh, what a nutritional powerhouse. Because we don't have the cellular machinery to break down some of these components, that means our body cannot use the nutrients. So please understand that there is a difference between what is on the label and what your body can actually metabolize and absorb, all right? So there is a scoring system, getting back to protein. There is a scoring system that the World Health Organization in partnership with a few other organizations came up with to give proteins a quality score. And this is, it's, you don't need to worry about the name of it, but it's basically the quality of the protein determining how well your body can use the protein you consume. And it's called the Protein Digestibility Corrected Amino Acid Score, which is absolutely a mouthful. But basically, they just want to have a ranking system for essentially the digestibility of protein, how well your body can use that protein type, all right? And the rankings of beans and legumes are about 25% lower than the animal protein. So off the bat, we were saying 60 to almost 70% less protein than animal products as in legumes and beans, right? But not only that, its digestibility score is 25% lower. So just before we consume it, it has 61 to 66% less protein than your animal protein sources. But then even what you do consume, the digestibility, what your body can actually utilize, metabolize, digest, absorb, so it can fuel your body, is also another 25% lower. That is a really big deal. That is a really big deal. And it's not just the protein digestibility that is an issue. When we look at these labels on a can of beans or a bag of beans and we see all these vitamins and minerals, we're like, oh, that's amazing. But we do not have all the enzymes that we need as humans to utilize them. We can digest and absorb many vegetables much more completely so we don't have that incomplete absorption or this misuse case uh, that we see with beans and legumes but on the on top of that there are also components of the beans that prevent the absorption so on the one hand there's a lot we don't have in terms of enzymes to break down and utilize some of the components within the beans but there's also things within the beans that are protective mechanisms that prevent the absorption of certain vitamins and minerals that is the primary reason that beans aren't paleo. We lack the cellular machinery to really get out of the beans what we need to, and there are some protective mechanisms in the beans, in the legumes, that do harm to humans. One of the things that we see in legumes is phytic acid, or phytates. 
And what phytic acid does is bind to nutrients like iron, zinc, calcium, magnesium, copper. And when phytic acid binds to these nutrients, we can't absorb them. So that's the point I was making about that stellar nutrient deck. You're like, oh, great source of iron and zinc and calcium and all these great things. But the phytic acid naturally present in these beans binds to the nutrients so we cannot absorb them. For example, when we're looking at iron, a lot of people turn to beans because they want to increase their iron. Only about 20% of the iron that we see as present on the nutrient label in beans can be absorbed because it's bound to phytate. So only about 20% is available for absorption. And just to address something that I think a lot of people will ask about, boiling and cooking doesn't have a significant impact on phytates, all right? Now, sprouting and fermentation, sprouting beans, sprouted beans, fermented beans, can reduce the phytates a little bit, but not significantly, Another component in the beans that is part of the reason we don't see them as recommended or approved foods when we're looking at primal and paleo ways of eating, one of the components are called protease inhibitors. We all know what the word inhibit means, right? It prevents something from happening. Proteases are the enzymes that break down protein. So naturally found in legumes are these protease inhibitors that basically prevent the proteins from being able to break down and be utilized by the body. Proteases are enzymes required to break down protein into its building blocks, amino acids, so that they can be absorbed and utilized by the bodies. The fact that legumes contain protease inhibitors means they impair the breakdown of the protein. That is the reason these protease inhibitors for that digestibility quality score that is so much lower than what we see in animal proteins. This next one is called saponins, all right? S-A-P-O-N-I-N-S. And these are anti-nutrients naturally found in legumes. And before I tell you what they do, I wanna first say so that nobody gets freaked out, that they have a dose-dependent relationship in the body. So the more you consume them, the greater their impact. The less you consume them, the lesser their impact. So if you had a peanut yesterday, please don't panic, right? There is a dose-dependent relationship. Zeponins have the ability to basically poke holes in the membranes of your red blood cells. And that sounds bad because it is bad. On the lesser side of the consequences, they lead to inflammation, right? On the greater side of exposure here, they can cause your red blood, blood cells to rupture. So that is bad news, and cooking does not destroy these elements, all right? When we look at their concentration in different foods, because remember I said there's a dose-dependent relationship. The more you have, the greater the impact. The less you have, the lesser the impact. And obviously with these guys and their impact on inflammation and our red blood cells, we want as little impact as possible. So when we look at what foods have the highest concentrations, 
soy protein isolate and textured vegetable protein top the list big time. So if you are using any type of like soy protein product, whether it's a bar or it's a shake, whatever it is that you want to get a vegetable source of protein, that soy protein isolate and the textured vegetable protein, also known as TVP, those are the highest in these saponins, all right? So you might want to consider a different option there because of this dose-dependent relationship. From there, um, the next highest would be navy beans, then soybeans, soybean flour, kidney beans, fava beans, garbanzo beans. And then at the very, very bottom of the list with the lowest levels are peanuts, okay? So just keep that in mind. Lectins, and we've talked about lectins in other episodes of the show. Lectins are found in legumes and some other things, but we're talking about lectins. Lectins are proteins, and their purpose in legumes is to protect the legume from predators, insects, other animals. Lectins can cross the barrier within your digestive tract, and when they do, they are irritants. And they are associated with inflammation and also with autoimmune disease. So you want to keep that in mind. There is an amazing article uh, written by Dr. Lauren Cordain, who was the founder of the original The Paleo Diet, like The Paleo Diet books, The Paleo Diet bars. Uh, Dr. Lauren Cordain is behind that. He has written an amazing article really going deep into far more about beans and how they work. So definitely check that out. I will link to it over on the show notes at primalpotential.com. I just wanted to introduce to you the reason that paleo and primal advocates really discourage beans, but I also want to say that there are many, many things that cause problems within our body from a food impact, uh, from a food standpoint, including, and almost most notably, sugar. So if you are somebody who is working on reducing sugar and processed foods and trans fats, Stay the course there, right? Because we could make a case for why almost anything can cause harm within the human body in excess. Granted, legumes have some real strong arguments against them, but it doesn't mean that it's your biggest priority right now. None of this is ever shared to generate fear or to freak you out or to feel like, what's the point in even trying? Everything is bad. Because there is absolutely always a way that we can all seek improvement. Whether that improvement for you is not overeating and really working to eat when you're hungry and not eat when you're not hungry, embrace that improvement. If you're working on sugar right now, work on sugar right now. And someday down the road, if you decide that beans and legumes and peanuts are something you need to tackle, that's great. But information helps us make better choices. And that is my goal with today's episode. If you want to know more, if you have questions, your first step needs to be to head over to the show notes on primalpotential.com, grab a a much more detailed and intricate article from Dr. Lauren Cordain, and check that out. I hope you guys have a really great day. I'll talk to you soon. 
Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there.